Relationship building skills is a key ingredient in successful relationships. Today, we'll be looking at four things that will help us in building our relationship skills. This message is the third in the series, Relate. The message is entitled, Develop Skills. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Grab your Bibles this morning as we turn our attention to God's Word, your teaching sheets. As we're talking today about our relationships, continuing this theme together, I want to talk today about developing skills in our relationships. The Bible is a relational book. I think all of us understand if you've studied the Bible at all. Uh, the primary theme of the Bible is how we relate to God and how we relate to one another. Jesus was asked one day, what's the most important commandment of all? And his response was, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's a, that's a relationship. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. So relationship with God and relationship with people. And everything in the Bible points us to those two things. In fact, this is a truly, the Bible truly is a relationship instruction manual in both our dimension vertically with God and horizontally with one another. And so far in this series, we've talked about some things that are vital to our relationships. We've talked about the power of connection, how you and I have to get connected. It's our responsibility to develop connections in our life, that we are social beings created by God that way. We talked last weekend about commitment, that your relationships will only be as good and strong as your commitments are. And today, there's a new word I'd like to share with you, and that is the word skills. So say that word with me, skills. So connected, committed, and skilled. Say that with me, connected, committed, and skill. These are the th this is the word for the week. And we're going to really dive right in to, whole, to the whole idea of the skills of relationship and sort of lay a foundation for you today that we'll build on for the rest of this series together. So by the way, this is a 10-part series. I hope that you'll stay with us through the entire series. If you've missed anything so far, I encourage you to go back to our website and all the MP3s are there free for you. Just download them and you can stay up to date on all the past teachings as a part of this. The first thing I want to share with you today, very important truth regarding relationships and building skills, is we must understand that relationships require something. All relationships require a four-letter word, and that is work. Everybody say work with me. There's this idea that floats around for a lot of folks that good relationships are sort of unexplainable. How do you have a good relationship? Well, I don't know. They just sort of happen. And you dig, dig a little deeper. Well, what makes the relationship so good? Well, I'm not sure. We just have really good chemistry. You heard that before? Good chemistry? Well, what do you mean by good chemistry? Well, I don't know. We just, we just have chemistry. I'm thinking, well, what is chemistry? Is it cologne or perfume? I don't know. What is it? Okay. And a lot of people try to ascribe to their relationship something that really is unexplainable, that it sort of happens. And what I want to tell you today is there are relationships in life that kind of have a good chemistry. Have you ever met a person before that you just got to know fairly easily and you just connect, connect, you clicked. We use that word quite a bit as well. And you get to know them more easily maybe than someone else. And it does happen from time to time. But by and large, if you don't develop something more than chemistry, Somewhere along the line, even a good relationship that had chemistry, if you will, that you clicked with, it's going to go south. It's going to go downhill if you don't learn something more than just the, quote, chemistry. There are a lot of people that get married out of chemistry, and it's not long before the chemistry is really gone. A long way. Far from them. And so we have to both to develop 
relationships because you're not going to have chemistry with everyone. And so if you wait around for all the chemistry to be the dictator of your relationships, you'll have very few relationships in your life. And so if we're going to build more relationships and keep our good relationships strong, we have to go beyond that. We have to put some work into the relationships. And the Bible talks to us about the work of relationships. In fact, in 2 Peter chapter 1, I'm going to ask you to get your pens out, your highlighters, as you see that on your notes this morning, and I'm going to ask you to circle or highlight just a few phrases as we go through this instruction given to us by the Holy Spirit regarding relational dimensions of life. 2 Peter 1 verse 3, His, God's divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. That verse tells us that when we come to faith in Christ, we receive Power. God gives us power. That's where the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you as a Christian believer. And so the Holy Spirit is the one that brings the power of God to us. Notice verse 4. Through these he has given us his very great and precious. What's the next word there? Promises. So every Christian believer has been given these two things, power and Promises. You have those in your life, the power of God and the promises of God for your life. That's, those two things are wonderful. I mean, we could not live the Christian life without the power of God in us, Jesus in us through the Holy Spirit, and the promise of God that we hold on to for our eternal future as well as for day by day. Now, continuing on, through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them, that's through the power and the promises, you may, through them, you, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So this is, the, this is what's going to get you forward in life, the power of God and the promises of God. Notice verse number 5. For this very reason, that is for the reason that you've been given power and promises. Here's why you have the power and here's why God's given you promises. It says this, make every, what's the phrase there? Make every would you circle that phrase or highlight that phrase, make every effort to add some things to your faith? Now, think with me for a moment. If you have power and promises, wouldn't you think that would be enough? Well, we would think that it would be enough, but God says, by the way, since I've given you power and promises, I want you to bring something to the table also. I want you to bring to the table effort. And effort means work, that if you're going to grow spiritually, and spiritual growth includes relational growth, you've got to do something. God's not going to do everything for you. Remember the story of Peter walking on the water, right, in the Bible? Everybody remember that story? Well, how did Peter walk on the, wa walk on the water? He walked on the water by the power of God, by the promise of Jesus' words, but Peter also had to get out of the boat, right? Okay? He couldn't walk on the water until he did something. He stepped out of the boat and stepped onto the water, and God made it firm for him. And so the same, there was something he did. And the same is true for you and me, for our relationships to be all that God wants him to be. He's giving us power and promises, but we must bring something to the, to the table that is work or effort. Now, it says this, make, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness, love. Now, all those terms he just gave us, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance or patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, love, would you agree that all of those are relationship, relationship words? If you had more of those things in your life, your relationships would go better, wouldn't they? 
He says, make every effort to add these qualities, for if you possess, circle that word as well, because possession is something you do also, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. Highlight some phrases here. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. He says, I'm talking to my people who I love and I've called to myself. Then he says, clothe yourselves with certain characteristics. Now, clothe yourselves is another phrase you want to highlight because clothing yourself is something you do. You notice in the morning, your clothes don't jump on you. You actually have to put them on. There's an effort that's required. So clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, and patience. All of those, again, are relationship words. If you had more compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, your relationships would go better. Next phrase, bear with. Circle that word. It means put up with. And putting up with people at times is, oh, is work. Amen? When you have to put up with people that are kind of hard to put up with at times, that's work. Guess what? When people have to put up with you, they're having to work. So it's effort in the relationship. Bear with each other and forgive. Circle that word because it's an action as well. Whatever grievances you may have against one another, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on, circle that phrase also, put on, it's an action you do, love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart since as members of one body you are called to peace. Now notice this passage again. Clothe yourselves, bear with, forgive, put on, let B, all of these are words that involve effort, it involves work, it is something that you are called to do. Every good relationship involves some work. Now, let me take you to the second point. To do the work of relationships, you've got to dump the myth of magical relationships. You've got to dump it. You've got to get rid of it. I mentioned a moment ago that we have this tendency to view good relationships in sort of magical terms in highly romantic terms. Well, they sort of just happen. And we build all these unrealistic expectations for what relationships are to be on the basis of media. A lot of the ideas of love that you have in your mind didn't really come from God. They came from movies. You watch a movie or they came from books that you've read or or romantic uh, information you've picked up along the way. And the idea is if, if somebody's really in love, how does it happen in the movies? I mean, they fall in love and maybe there's some struggles that they go through. But at the end, they all go into the sunset together happy forevermore, okay? They never have to take out the trash. They never have to wash dishes, okay? They never have to change dirty diapers. None of that ever happens. They just sort of float into the romantic sunset. And you see, and you see these romantic stories of, 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 of guys that are just loving their wives incredibly and, and wives that are loving, and you see that you build this up and say, my husband's not like that, okay? That's how he's supposed to be. And before long, you've actually built these expectations in your mind that are based not on reality, they're based on myth. Because if you haven't learned it yet, I need to wake you up this morning and tell you, Movies aren't real, okay? (laughs) They're not real. They're myths. They're created by people sitting in offices or different places where they're creating these images for us to view. And so then we take them in. We begin to judge our relationships on the basis of that. Now, let's just, let's break down reality for a moment. We see the romance in the movies, but let's go to the 
to the actors and actresses that actually are in the movies. Look at their real lives, right? What are their real lives like? Oftentimes, big messes when it comes to relationships. They don't even know how to have them oftentimes, with, few, with a few exceptions. Do you see the difference? Do you see that how we get sold, this idea that relationships are sort of magical and, and mythological and they just sort of work? We have to dump that image completely if we're going to begin to get into reality and get to work doing what we need to do to build the relationships that God wants us to build. Now, to do this... Uh, to begin to dump this and get into the real world, dump the myth, there's some things that have to happen. If you're going to develop some skills, you have to know how to develop skills. I'm going to give you four words that will help you to learn how skills are developed, and then we'll talk about some of them here in just a moment. These four words are not on your notes, okay? So they're free today. I'm not even going to charge you for them, all right? So here we go. How do you learn new skills? Anytime you learn a new skill, always involves, no matter what area of life you're in, it always involves four things. Number one, it involves instruction. You can't learn something new unless you're instructed, right? And so if you're going to dump the myth of magical relationships, you've got to learn how real relationships work. So there has to, there has to be some instruction. You have to be hungry to be taught something true. And the only way you'll find freedom in your relationships is by knowing truth. Truth is what sets you free, okay? And so it starts with instruction. Out of instruction, there also needs to be, second of all, observation, that's how you learn. You learn by instruction and you learn by observation. The instruction leads to observation. And then number three, there has to be practice. You have to put into practice what you've been instructed about. And then number four, there has to be feedback. Any new skill that you learn always involves those four things. Say them with me. Instruction, observation, practice, and feedback. You will never learn any new thing in your life without those four things. For example, let's say that I want to teach my grandchildren, my grandsons, how to use a screwdriver. Simple thing. They're getting to the age that they can want to begin to use tools, but I want them to know how to use tools the right way, and so I'm going to teach them how to use a screwdriver. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to hold up and say, hey, guys, this is a screwdriver, okay? Let me explain to you what a screwdriver does. A screwdriver is applied to certain places. You see this screw over here? This is, how, this is what it is. This is what it's for. It turned to the right. You tighten, turn to the left. You loose it. And so this is how it works, just the basic instruction, okay? And then I'm going to say, now watch me. I'm going to show you how this works. Watch. We're going to put the screw into the, the screw hole there. I'm going to turn it to the right and notice how the screw is going in. And then I'm going to turn it to the left and watch that it comes back out. So did you see what Papa did? Did you see that happen there? And so they observe. So I instructed them. They observe. Then what am I going to do next? I'm going to give them the screwdriver, right? I'll say, now, I want you to do this. I want you to practice this, okay? I'm going to watch you. I'm right here to help you, but I want you to practice it. And so they take the screwdriver, and they begin to practice it. And then what am I going to do? I'm going to give them some feedback. If they're trying to put it in, but they're turning it to the left, I'm going to give them some feedback. If they're trying to take it out, but they're turning it to the right, I'm going to give them some feedback. You see how it happens? And so I'm giving them basic instruction along the way. And so it's true for even relationship skills. You will never grow in relationships until you have some instruction. That's why this series is so very important. That's why it's extremely vital that you get the right instruction. Do not, let me say this, don't let the world instruct you about relationships. You don't need to be, I'll tell you what will happen. If the world is your information system for relationships, you're going to have a lot of trouble because the relationships in the world are going downward, not upward. 
And so you've got to get the right information, the right instruction, and then you begin to observe how it works in people's lives. That's why it's important to be in the life of the church because you're able to be around other mature believers who hopefully are starting to apply these things in their lives. You can see how it happens working in a life group or maybe in a marriage group somewhere. You're learning some of this stuff. Then you begin to practice. Practice makes... No, it doesn't. Perfect practice makes perfect. If you're, if you're taking piano and you go home and you don't practice it the way the teacher told you to practice it, and you don't learn the right fingering, then you can practice 10 hours a day if you're practicing the wrong way, and will you learn how to play effectively? No. It is perfect practice that makes perfect. And so once you get the right instruction, you get some observations of how this stuff works, you begin to practice it, learn how to practice it the right way, put it into effect in your life, and then also be in a system where there's some feedback so you can see how you're growing. All of this leads to progress in relationships, okay? Let's go to our third point together. Let me say something, why, one more thing about this before I move to my third point. Why, why is this so important? Because not only do we have this myth of magical relationships, but, but in addition, we also have some baggage that we bring into our relationships with us. Everybody here has baggage. Part of the baggage might be coming from the family that you grew up in. Maybe there was no model for you to learn. You didn't have anything to observe. No instruction was given to you. You know, the majority of people that get married have zero premarital information. They don't go to pre-marriage class. That's why we have pre-marriage counseling here for those that are getting married because we want to give you some tools to begin with. But most people just got married and say, well, I don't know. I guess it'll come natural. Okay. You know that you take driver's ed before you learn to drive a car? Don't you think it'd be wise to learn a little bit of information about how marriages work before you get married, right? Okay. But we don't even provide that oftentimes in our culture for people getting married. And so they go into this with some bad models from their, their family of origin, and they bring this in their relationship. They have emotional hurts that they're carrying with them from past relationships. It is a miracle that any relationship ever works because of all the stuff that two people bring into a marriage or a friendship together. And so that's why it's extremely important we dump the myth, we get the instruction, we get some good models to observe, we begin to put it into practice, and we get the feedback. Now let's go to our third point together. Developing relationship, building skills, there's your key word, skills is your responsibility. So skills, responsibility, key words there. Developing relationship building skills. Whose responsibility is it to build them? Yours, okay? Let's talk about this for a moment. In a relationship, it is so easy for us to think that the other person is the problem. This is common in every relationship. That when something comes up, we have this, this, this tendency to put, in any relationship, people into two categories. I'll give you the two categories. Victim and villain. When a problem comes up in a relationship, our mind immediately, without even thinking about it, unconsciously, we go to this, somebody is the victim and somebody is the villain. And who usually is the victim? Come on, tell the truth. We are, right? I'm the villain, they're the, I'm the victim, they're the villain, okay? And so we have this tendency to kind of put the other person, make them the enemy, while we're the poor little person over here being enemized, okay? 
They're fighting against us. They're hurting us. They're, they're damaging us in some way. We're the victim, okay? And what happens when we break relationships into victim-villain, we can make no progress, okay? And in a real, very real way, in any relationship problem to some degree, oftentimes, may not be true always, but in many situations, all of us are a little bit the victim and a little bit the villain, or a lot the victim and a lot the villain. We have a lot of both of these in us. We're, we're, we're hurting and being hurt, right? In any relationship, you're probably at some point in time hurting someone else, even if it's unintentional, and they're hurting you. And so that's happening in the relationship. And so we have to begin to move beyond this model of putting people in the victim-villain mindset so that we can begin to build the, take the responsibility and build the skills that are necessary. Now, I want you to notice what the Scripture says about our personal responsibility when it comes to the relationships of life. Luke chapter 6, verse 31. I'm going to ask you to read this with me. This is from the words of Jesus himself. These are words of instruction for us in our lives. Let's read them. Here we go. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. There's an implied pronoun in the beginning of this verse. It is you. That is, you have the responsibility. You personally have the responsibility to do to others as you would like them to do to you. And so where does the responsibility lie? With you, okay? It is my responsibility to do what I can do in a relationship to treat the other person the way that I would want to be treated, not thinking about how I want them to treat me, specifically in terms of a selfish mindset, but what am I to do that will bless them the way I would like to be blessed? How can I move beyond my frustrations, my hurt, my pain to do for them in a way that will be a blessing in their life? So the responsibility is on us. Romans 12, 21. Read this one with me. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. I'm going to ask you if you're taking notes this morning, the, above the phrase there on your notes where it says, but conquer, you see, see that in that verse, but conquer, would you write above that, write the word you and put a little arrow in between but and conquer, imply there is but you. You take the responsibility to conquer evil by doing good. When evil shows up in your relationship, whose responsibility is it to conquer the evil? It's yours, okay? You conquer evil by how? By doing good. Instead of reacting to or responding to or bringing more evil into the situation, you now have a responsibility to insert goodness in a place where there is evil. It's your responsibility, okay? Now notice the next passage here. I'm going to read it for you. Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 through 5. Again, words of Jesus. I want you to notice again responsibility. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me stop for a moment, this is a relationship passage, right? It's talking about friendships, right? Okay, so it's a relationship passage. How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get that speck, get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Notice what's happening here. Jesus said, all of us have a tendency with friendships, relationships, to see the stuff in somebody else. That's our tendency. If I gave you a sheet of paper and asked you to write down all the problems you see in one of your friends or in your spouse, I would imagine you could make a quite a long list of some of the issues you would like to see them address. 
this is wrong, that's wrong, I'd like to see them work on this. You probably in your mind somewhere, or maybe you actually have a list somewhere you've already created that you've commuted, you said this is what ought to change in this person's life. And Jesus said all of us have this tendency in all of our relationships to look into other people's lives and to see stuff in their lives, but to be very unaware of the stuff in our own lives. We see the speck in our friend's eye, but we don't see the log in our own eye. In other words, what was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying, when you deal with a relationship problem, start first by recognize, recognizing you are the problem. Did you get that? I don't think you did. Let me say it again. When you find yourself with a relationship problem, start with the premise. Start with the explanation of the problem that you are a very big part of the problem. It's not, you don't start with them. Who do you start with? Say with me, I am the problem. Go ahead and say it. You don't believe that, okay? You didn't convince me of that, okay? Come on, say it again. I am the problem. You say, Pastor, I can't say that. My, my husband's right next to me. If I say that, I'm going to be in trouble, okay? No, say it again with me. I am the problem. If you approach relationship situations with that premise to begin with, instead of saying, you are the problem, if I start with the relationship by, by, by this premise, this perspective that Jesus gave us, that I am the problem, then what happens is God is able to work on me, right, and help me to grow where I need to grow, and then out of my growth, I actually become helpful to the other person instead of a hindrance to them and their growth. See, the Bible says if you can get the log out of your own eye, then you actually are in a position to help your friend get the speck out of their eye, their own eye. And so it all starts with us. That's the beginning point of any kind of relationship building, to accept the responsibility and say, you know what? It's not about the other person. It's really about me. Say it again with me. I am the problem. That's accepting responsibility. Now, let's move to our final point together this morning. And this is where it all gets good. This is where I want to give you some real hope today, all right? The fourth point is this. You can improve your basic relationship skills. That's a good hallelujah, isn't it? You can. You can improve your basic relationship skills. With God's help, you don't have to stay the same. If you've got some messed up relationships in your life, the good news is that you can do things that will make them better, but you have to do the right things. You can't try to fix the other person. You have to fix you. Very important. You have to fix you. Because when you start trying to fix somebody else, actually what you're doing is you're playing God. God never called you to fix everybody else. God said, I want to fix you. Have you noticed that it's really tiring being God, trying to control other people and fix them up? See, it's not my, God never told me in His Word as a husband to fix my wife. There's no verse in the Bible. Husbands, fix your wives. And by the way, there's no verse in the Bible that says, wives, fix your husbands. But there is a verse in the Bible that says, husbands, love your wives. And so my job is to say, okay, how do I do what I'm supposed to do so that I'm being the person I'm supposed to be so that whatever God wants to do in my wife's life, and by the way, I want to say happy Mother's Day to my wife this morning. 
mother of my, our two daughters and five grandchildren. She's got to be the best-looking grandmother in the world, okay? So, did I, huh? Good relationship series, okay. Did I earn some points with that one? Good. Good. But I'm still the problem, right? Okay. But when, when you and I focus on ourselves, then God is able to work in other. Have you ever had that happen? Someone, you finally just sort of gave up and said, you know what, I'm not going to try to fix them anymore. And you walked away and started paying attention to you, and then all of a sudden they start changing. Why? Because God was able to step in and work because you got out of the way. That's it. See, when you get out of the way, God's able to do stuff. Sometimes we're totally in the way of God actually working in a person's life because we're working so hard to try to fix them. God says, look, I can't even fix them because every time I try to fix, you show up on the job, okay? (laughs) Now get over here and let me work on you, and I'll take care of them. God is big enough to take care of people, isn't he? He's big enough to take care of people. And so what we must understand as a part of this is that you can change if you'll focus on you. You can improve your basic relationship skills. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You have the instruction of God's Word. You have the environment of the church where we're learning these principles together. All of these are valuable uh, contributing assets to you being able to actually change. Now, what do we need to change? What do we need to work on? What are some of the basic relationship skills that you need to have in your life if you're going to improve your relationships. I'm going to give you seven of these, and these seven are the things we're going to be looking at over the next several weeks together. So this is a quick outline for you. I'm not going to go into depth with these, but quickly sort of whet your appetite for them. The first thing that's necessary is self-awareness. You have to grow in your own self-awareness. That's being aware of what's going on with you. Again, it goes back to the fact we have the tendency to focus on somebody else. God says, no, you pay attention to you. And many people have zero or very limited self-awareness in their life. Number two, you have to grow in emotional intelligence. You have to develop the capacity to understand emotions, your emotions, the emotions of other people, and that requires some skills. For a lot of us, we've never been trained in understanding how emotions even work and how emotions happen in relationships and how to respond and react in the midst of emotions. So we have to grow in our intelligence of that. Number three, we have to develop what I would call attention skills. Attention skills. Somebody said, what? Yeah, attention. you weren't listening, were you, Okay. Attention skills. You know what attention skills are? What I just mentioned is called listening. It's the ability to listen, the capacity to learn how to listen, not just to what's being said in terms of content, but how it's being said, what's underneath the content. If you notice before that sometimes people can say things, but what they're really saying is something else. They're saying one thing like, how are you? Fine. That doesn't mean fine. That means I'm really mad at you, okay? Or I'm really upset about something. And so, A word you hear, you have to listen for what's underneath the flow of that word, what's coming forth. And so it's ability to pay attention to your environment, to pay attention to the people around you. The Bible says that we're to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, the Scripture says. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks when we talk about communication skills. But you have to learn to be attentive. How do I develop my listening capacity? Number four, you need to develop good verbal skills. Good verbal skills. Verbal skills is knowing what to say, knowing what not to say, and knowing how to say what you say. I'll say it again. Verbal skills, when it comes to relationships, it's about knowing what to say, 
what not to say and how to say what you say. And this is a skill. It's a skill. You can learn this stuff, okay? Isn't that great to know? If you are going to move to a foreign country that you don't know the language of, another, another country around the world you don't know that language, and before you move there, you would be instructed, you would w- want to find some instruction in the language of that, that country, right? Because you want to be able to communicate. Now, the question is, can people learn other languages? Of course they can, okay? That's why we have language schools. That's why people all the time, they're learning multiple languages, six, five, six, seven languages. Some people can speak or more. Why? Because they learn the language. Let me tell you, you can learn the language of relationships. There's a language there that you can actually learn, but it's it's a verbal process of knowing what to say, what not to say, and how to say what you say. The next one are the nonverbal skills. That's what you're saying with your body. And we all communicate with our body, don't we? With our body language. Honey, could I talk to you for a moment? Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) I'm listening. What have I just said? What did my body say? I'm not really listening. I'm hostile. Everything about my body language right now says I've closed off, right? I'm in, a de- I'm in a posture of defense. You can't get to my heart. Why? Because I've got my arms over my heart. You're not going to get into me right now. You see what I'm saying? Now, that doesn't mean every time you cross your arms, that's what's happening. Okay? Don't, go, don't go to the extreme of this, okay? But in relationship communication, there are times that we're giving body language. It's actually breaking down the process or facilitating the process. If I say to my wife, she says, Honey, look, can I talk to you about something? I say, Oh, sure, come here. Put my arm around her, hug her like this. What have I done? I've opened up my my nonverbal has opened up the possibility of greater communication, right? Got it? Got it? Okay. Here's your next one. We're just about done. You have to grow in your anger management skills. If you say to me, I never get angry, you're a liar. Okay? Because everybody here gets angry at some point in time. The Bible even says, in your anger, do not sin. So the Bible even acknowledges the fact that we get angry. Anger is is a reaction response to blocked objectives, to disappointments, to a variety of things that can happen in your life. And it's it's a response emotionally that occurs in you. But just because you feel anger doesn't mean that anger has to control you, okay? You can actually take anger and focus it in the right direction. Anger was never meant to be, never designed to be directed toward people. Anger needs to be directed toward problems, okay? Fixing things that are broken in a relationship. And so you have to learn how to manage this. And you can manage, you can actually learn to manage your anger. The Bible is a, is a textbook on us learning how to manage our anger. And the last one that I'll give you here, the final one, number seven, is you have to learn what I would call peacemaking and peacekeeping skills. Peacemaking and peacekeeping skills. Because there will be times <clears throat> that your relationships are not going to go perfect. There will be times that you're going to mess things up at times. So you'll say something you didn't mean to say or something will happen in the relationship. You've got to know how to fix them. You've got to know how to mend things. Because if you don't know how to mend things, it'll just, get, it'll just simply unravel over a period of time. So let's go back to what we talked about today. What do relationships require? 
work. If we're going to work on them, what kind of myth do we have to get rid of? This magical myth that everything's going to go well. When it comes to making your relationships work, whose responsibility is it? Who's the problem? Oh, me? You just said you, okay? No, you. You're the problem, okay? I'm the problem. And then what, as we accept responsibility, what do we accept responsibility to do? To do what? What's the last point? To actually improve our skills. And really, relationships are all about skills. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray today? Father, thank you this morning for the opportunity we have to study your word. What a joy it is to be able to open up the scriptures and realize how practical they are. Lord, they're not just sort of pie-in-the-sky information for us, but Lord, they, they really get down to where we live every day. And I pray you'll take this message this morning and really apply it to our hearts. May it begin to stir up in us a desire to grow, to develop the skills you want us to have in all the relationships of our life. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that'll make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. And I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward in Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. And we'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.